0: Meditate and discover that you are greater than you could ever imagine. Om Namah Shivaya Gurabhaya Satchitanandamurtaye Nishpapanchaya Shantaya Niralambhaya Tejase Muktanandaya gurabe shisha samsara harane bhakta kaya kadehaya namaste chit saratmane heta vejagata samsara namasetave Prabhabe Sarvavidyanam, Shambhabe Gurave Namaha, Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Devo Maheshwara, Guru Sakshatpara Brahma, Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha, Om Svarupa Swasvabhava Namaha,
1: I bow to my own self. I bow to my Baba's own self. I bow to his Baba's own self. I bow to your own self your own divine essence, your shivaness. The one divine reality
0: being all is being you. Again and again I bow. Om Swarupa Swasva Bhavanarodama.
1: Who can give you enlightenment? My life was changed on the day I got Shaktipat from Baba. That was 47
0: years ago. And I'm celebrating my Shaktipat anniversary. I get to celebrate it twice, today and on Wednesday. My life was changed on the day I got Shaktipat from my Baba. At the time, of course, I didn't understand it. The energy climbing my spine at that moment was so ecstatic that I wanted nothing else. And it happened again every morning during meditation. At first, nothing external changed. I lived in the same place and pursued the same desires. But gradually, I found I needed less and less of those things. Particularly the ones that weren't good for me fell away. Wow. It was so easy. In addition to becoming peaceful, I was becoming surprisingly pure, quite sattvic. My inner depth meant that the outer things didn't pull at me so much, plus I had inner answers to things that had previously been gnarly problems. Sometimes I marveled at how I got free from the desires, passions, and needs It had driven me before. Mostly, I just bowed in gratitude to the one who had freed me. There's a line in the Guru Paduka Panchakam that describes it. (laughs) Kamarisa pa prajagarudabhyam viveka vairagya nidhi pradabhyam bodha pradabhyam drutamoksha Namo, Nama, Sri, Guru, Padukha, Like Garuda, Vishnu's eagle, frees you from the serpents of desire. The guru gives you discernment and true dispassion, granting true knowledge and full liberation. Again and again, to his sandals I bow. Truly, my Baba had given me discernment and true dispassion, freeing me from the poisonous serpents of need, greed, and fear. I delightedly bowed to him at every opportunity, as well as to his sandals and his photos. This bowing thing is one of the things we Westerners have trouble with in the beginning. The idea of it was hard for me too, but once I actually bowed, I got it. Something happens when your head is down there below your heart. I remember the first time I bowed, which was to a picture of Baba. Even before I met him physically, my mind had been obsessed on it for weeks, churning through what I had been taught and churning because I knew there was something that I hadn't been taught, the science of bowing. I had seen movies of priests and nuns in full prostrations, but my Jewish and Protestant heritage agreed in their ignorance of such matters. It's not that I was taught not to bow, but it is that I was not taught either to bow or not. My mind didn't know what to do with this huge gap. When I went to Japan, I saw that bowing was part of the culture. In Korea, they do a simple yet beautiful little bow when they hand you back your credit card. When I went to India, I saw that children bow to their parents and their grandparents, and yogis bow to their guru. The first time I bowed, I thought it was going to be a big deal. I thought the sky would fall. But nothing happened. Except when I came up, something was gone. Some part of me that could not bow to another was gone. Some prideful, resistant, pompous, or maybe arrogant part of me that could never see a human being as being greater, better, or a higher than me. It was gone, blissfully,
1: peacefully, gone.
0: Since then, I've never had trouble seeing that someone knows more than me. I revel in working with people who have better computer skills, know more about art or architecture or cooking or gardening or other things, and they're making their knowledge available to me. I'm grateful and respectful, and I celebrate their knowledge. I have met many meditation masters and delighted in bowing to each one of them. I have no trouble bowing to you. And do so every time I chant mantras. When I teach, I can bow to you, to anyone and to everyone, because every single person is Shiva. But I especially love to bow to my guru. In his ashram in India, there is his seat in the courtyard where I sat at his feet for hundreds of hours, and I love to bow at his seat again and again. The Sanskrit text, Sri Guru Gita, begins with Shiva bowing to the Guru. Shiva is the Lord of the universe, the source of all existence, the essence of beingness that becomes all that exists. Shiva bows to the guru? Even Parvati was shocked. Shiva's divine spouse, the goddess Mother Divine, she who is Shiva's energy, the power of manifestation, sourcing the multiplicity of this divine creation, she was amazed that Shiva would bow to anyone. In the celestial realms, Shiva is the one that everyone goes to when nothing else works. When the gods and demons got together to churn the ocean of milk, and the first thing to issue forth was a virulent poison which could destroy all of creation, they ran to Shiva for help. He drank the poison, thus saving the universe. When Mahishasura, the buffalo demon, was rampaging through all the three worlds, the gods ran to Shiva, who emanated forth Durga to kill the demon king. When Brahma and Vishnu were fighting, Shiva broke it up by becoming the pillar of fire that extended beyond their ability to measure. Stories abound with Shiva being the most powerful, the first of all, the last resort. All the gods, demons, and humans worship Shiva. He is the source, the beginning and end, the alpha and omega, the ground of beingness, the ever-existent reality. And he's bowing to someone?
1: Who? Wouldn't you want to know?
0: So Parvati asks, oh, Shiva, my beloved, to whom are you bowing and why? Shiva replies, and his answer is Sri Gurudita, the chant that starts our ashram morning practices, just as it did when I was in ashram. The text is a thorough explanation indeed, 182 Sanskrit verses. Shiva explains that he bows to the Guru, the human being who is both limited and limitless, both form and formless, the one who knows the self and serves others in attaining that knowing. The one who is the highest and yet is the humblest servant, the one who dedicates their words, their actions, their life, and even their breath to the service of their own guru. This is the hidden secret. This is the mystery of the ancient sages. This is the mystical teachings of the Himalayas, with all the yogis seeking in all the different caves to find one with whom they can sit this is the majesty of the gift from Lord Shiva, that you don't have to climb into the frozen wastes. All you have to do is find a guru. Ah, but what kind of guru? You need a guru who can give you enlightenment. Fortunately, this is described in the Shiva Sutras, verse 3.29, chapter 3, verse 29. Only a yogi with mastery over the Shakti Chakra is capable of enlightening others. Yovipasto Tushcha. Only a yogi with mastery over the Shakti Chakra is capable of enlightening others. This is describing the ultimate guru. But there are so many other worthwhile gurus aside From all the teachers you've ever learned from, all of whom deserve the title guru. There are many spiritual teachers, all of whom who deserve the title guru. The Sanskrit dictionary defines the word guru for us. Heavy, weighty, great, large, high in degree, important, momentous, valuable, highly prized, venerable, respectable. It goes on and it moves to the personal. Any venerable or respectable person in your family, anyone older than you. And here's the definition we've been waiting for. A spiritual preceptor, one who instructs you and conducts the ceremonies of investiture. This holds true all the way up to the preceptor of the gods, named Rahaspati. These days, guru is a common term used when quoting stock market gurus, management gurus, golf gurus, and so on. And they are honored within their own field. But would Shiva bow to them?
1: No. They're not offering enlightenment.
0: Who does? Yovipasto Nyahetuscha. Only a yogi with mastery over the Shakti chakra is capable of enlightening others. What is this Shakti chakra over which such a yogi has mastery? Shakti chakra is kundalini, the divine energy that once awakened within climbs your spine opening and balancing your chakras, the energy centers along the way from tail to top. Each of your chakras vibrates with different shaktis, different levels of the divine energy that has manifested the universe. As the energy of enlightenment climbs your spine, kundalini clears out the limitations that hold you back and empowers your full potential in seven waves. The grounding, strength, and fortitude in the center at the tip of your tailbone, muladhara chakra. The beauty of relational consciousness, the delight in the ebb and flow of being in relationship with all who make up the divine multiplicity of this world, in the center at the top of your tailbone, the junction point with the bottom of your sacrum, swadhisthana Chakra your capacity for decisiveness, and the ability to follow through in the center at the top of your sacrum, just below your navel level, Manipura chakra. Your cherishing of all, your ability to love all, to nurture those whom you are given to care for and protect, and your ability to become absorbed in your own inner depths and draw from them in reaching out to touch others in the center at the level of your heart. Anahata chakra. The power and poetry of words uttered in service to God, the ability to describe the indescribable, to express in words that which is beyond the mind, in the center in your throat, vishuddha chakra. Your ability to see inward, to surrender into that greater vista, that magnificent expanse within, Once the doorway inward has been opened by the guru in the chakra located in the center of your skull, top to bottom, side to side, at the level of the space between your eyebrows. Ajna chakra. And you're blossoming fully into the light of your own divinity, illumined by the light of a thousand suns at the top of your head. Sahasrara. Along with the profound inner experiences along the way, all the Shaktis in all the Bija mantras, the primordial sounds on all the petals of all the lotus leaves of all the chakras, all are awakened and incorporated into the mastery of such a yogi. This is the Shakti chakra over which such a yogi has mastery.
1: On the outside,
0: Such a yogi seems ordinary. So many times I watched Baba have conversations with visitors. Where have you come from? How were your travels? How's your family at home? How long will you be
1: staying? So simple.
0: Baba was human. He ate food and drank drinks. When he'd been teaching for a couple of hours, one of his assistants would bring him a tall container with something in it. I don't know, maybe a mango lassi or a fruit smoothie. After all, he was in his 70s and needed to be taken care of. He laughed. He cried. So many times I was sitting in the meditation hall with him and he'd tell a story that would bring tears to his eyes and, of course, to mine as well. Then he'd tell a story that would have him chuckling while he was telling it, laughing so much that he had trouble finishing the story. Because of the translation into English, there would be two waves of laughter that would follow. When Baba would get the story out around his own chuckles, all the Hindi speakers would laugh. Then the translator would tell the story and the rest of us would laugh and he would laugh right along with us. On his 72nd birthday, we made a cake that would serve a thousand people. It was huge, like five feet across with three tiers, and 72 candles were lit. It was like a mini yajna. <laughs> yes. He laughed. I don't remember who blew out all the candles. Maybe it was the Swami's. In India, in the cold weather, he'd wear orange long johns under his loongi, the traditional wraparound cloth garment that men wear. Sometimes he'd run around without the loongi, just in his long johns, with a long shirt over them. For him, they were like trousers. In the summer, he'd wear a short loongi just down to his knees and go bare chested to stay cool. It was like being at home with grandpa. And then he'd give a talk. Just try to stay conscious. The resonance of his voice was so intoxicating. It was hard to wait for the translation. I've got a short audio clip for you. No translation, only Baba speaking and singing a little. You'll hear some background noise, but hopefully you'll get a sense of what it was like to listen to him. Indulge me its only
1: 20 seconds <laughs> His voice was like coming from a different realm.
0: For me, it cut through lifetimes of confusion and pain in moments. Then the translation would come. And his words were so illuminating. He settled me deeper within while he was simultaneously lightening my load and illuminating my understanding all at the same time. But if you ask me what he said, I couldn't tell you.
1: <laughs> it's like someone says it's a windy day, so you look outside.
0: You look out the window, you can't see the wind. You can only tell that the wind is blowing by its effects. You can see the tops of the trees moving or a flag flapping on its pole. You see people tucking their sweater or their jacket in close to their body or pulling on a hat. Thus, you know, it's windy. It's a force of nature that you cannot see.
1: Baba was like that. You
0: couldn't see what he was, really. And you couldn't see what he was doing to you. There were no fireworks, no glittery clothes, no fancy dance steps. Nothing to entertain or captivate your mind. And all the while, the wind was blowing through your depths. You were getting cleared out of who you thought you were. And filled up with a freshness, a newness, your own beingness.
1: Baba made me whole. But it was all done inside.
0: There was really nothing to point to on the outside, except the sound of his voice and his eyes. Oh,
1: his eyes. And when he would lead us in chanting, time stopped.
0: In Babasa Ashram, we lived on God's time. The clock worked differently than anywhere else in the world. It ticked. But we lived in timelessness, the eternality that underlies time. Yo vipasto Only a yogi with mastery over the Shakti chakra is capable of enlightening others. Baba was such a yogi. To give Shakti pot, he would walk around a room with 600 people in it and go zap, 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 zap. He'd get through all of us in an hour. It seemed like only a minute, and it seemed like an eternity, all at the same time.
1: You tell the greatness of a
0: great being, not by your perception of them. After all, you cannot see the wind. And when you look at such a great being, ha, what do you know? Baba said only a siddha can recognize a Siddha. You recognize the greatness of a great master by the effects, not on their disciples, but on their disciples' disciples. Thus, you know, from your experiences so far with me, from your insights and understandings, from the change in your life as well as your being, this tells you how great Baba was. It's when you see the changes in your students, only then can you evaluate what I bring you. And whatever I bring you, truly, it all comes from him. <laughs> For whatever there was of me is blown away by the wind. All the fog, all the smog, all the schmutz, all the fear and need and greed, all the striving and efforting, it's all gone. Like the dark of
1: the sky disappears when the sun rises, Ji Baba, yes Baba. Jai
0: Muktananda, Jai Muktananda, Jai Muktananda, Om Swarupa Swaswa
1: namo Namah.